0: Welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, episode sixty-two. I'm Ainsley Arment, and this week our friend Greta Eskridge talks about how we can fight for joy in the everyday struggles of life and motherhood.
1: I know what you're saying when you say it's hard to fight for joy. I understand, but we do have to keep fighting, don't we? Just like Jen, she fought hard, and we have to fight hard too. You can do it, and you should do it. But I want to talk about how, because I recognize that at times it's really difficult.
0: Plus, we're putting the finishing touches on our next bundle coming out in May. It's called Curious. We'll give you a sneak peek at what's inside in just a minute. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. I want to let you in on a little secret. There are no homeschooling experts. Don't get me wrong. There are people who possess a particular combination of knowledge, experience, discernment, and clarity to guide others on this journey, but they can never replace you. You are the expert on your own children. When we feel insecure about our homeschooling abilities, we often reach out for the validation of a curriculum, a convention, or a consultant. While all these things can be valuable at different points in our journey, nothing beats a mother's intuition and her own natural abilities to love, nurture, and create an environment of learning for her children. In his book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell made famous the concept of spending 10,000 hours on any one thing in order to become an expert in that field. According to Gladwell, hockey players, psychologists, artists, orators, and criminal investigators must hit this threshold to become experts. Well, if you spend five hours a day with your child before they turn five, you will in effect have spent 10,000 hours on becoming an expert on your child, just in time for their formal education to begin. The beautiful part about homeschooling is that it qualifies us for the task as we go. In other words, Homeschooling teaches us to become teachers. It's a gentle instructor in that it allows us to start with young minds that don't yet need to study calculus or biology. We can wade into the pool with simple subjects by the very nature of our children's ages. We grow as they do. Susan Weisbauer advises us not to become overwhelmed by homeschooling when we're first starting out. When you're just moving into homeschooling, even if they haven't been in school, you start with your grammar and your math, she said. And that's all you do until you figure that out. Then you add another subject, and then you add another subject. In other words, take the pressure off yourself during the first year and figure out what works, what you and your children enjoy doing, and how you enjoy doing it. Study the core subjects, and if you add anything, do so only when you have your daily rhythm in place. This is especially true if you are bringing a child home from school. The first year needs to be about pulling the kid out of school, Bauer said. It's about establishing a learning routine. The focus has to be on being at home. Your approach to homeschooling will reflect the strengths, skills, and passions you have as a mother, and that's okay. Just as there are magnet schools, agricultural tracks, and vocational programs in public education, the learning environment you create will reflect your unique gifts as an individual. You may have much to learn, but you also have much to teach your children. Much like anything that's worth doing, homeschooling is hard. You will have doubts and think you've failed a thousand times along the way. And you will have to start over more than once. But remember this, you cannot ruin your children any more than you can perfect them. They will find their way. You will find yours. And little by little, you'll figure out this crazy, beautiful thing together until it feels like you've been doing it your whole life. Rest, dear mama, in the grace of homeschooling. What you are reclaiming for your children is worth more than any test could ever tell you. We'll hear from Greta Eskridge in just a moment. But first, I wanted to let you know about our new bundle, Curious, that's coming out in May. As you might know, our current bundle, Plant, is all about tending to the garden of childhood. It's available all throughout the month of April, but we couldn't wait to tell you about our new content bundle coming out in just two weeks. The Curious Bundle is filled with articles, tutorials, stories, and podcasts that will help you reawaken the wonder in your children. If you subscribe to the bundles this week, you'll not only get access to last month's bundle, Mighty, but also this month's Plant Bundle and the Curious Bundle when it goes live in May. That's three bundles in just two weeks. Not only that, but we'll also send you a welcome kit in the mail that includes a print magazine and Wild and Free decal. Plus, you'll get access to our complete library of conference videos and recordings. Friend, there's no better time to become a Wild and Free member. To sign up, go to bewildandfree.org bundles. Greta Eskridge is a second-generation homeschooling mother of four. She always knew that she'd homeschool her own kids. And with the support of her husband, Aaron, they've been happily homeschooling for the past 12 years. Greta also loves writing and speaking. Her heart is to encourage her fellow mothers to build deep and lasting connections with their kids in a time when there are so many struggling to find that connection. Greta's first book is due out July of 2020. You can find her on Instagram at Ma and Pa Modern and on her blog at GretaEskridge.com. Greta shared about fighting for joy at our Wild and Free Conference in Franklin, Tennessee this past fall. Let's listen in now.
1: So here we are. It's the end, and I want to tell you guys a story about that song, "Fight Song." Um, A few years ago, I was part of a podcast with five dear friends, and some of you may remember it. I thought like four of you would remember. You guys know at home, and um, that was our podcast. And one time we were talking about our rituals for making dinner, whether we had routines or not, and. Some of the beautiful women in my podcast were so romantic and they said, oh, I just love making dinner, I pour a glass of wine, and I turn on my favorite podcast, I'm just so excited for my man to come home. Can you picture who it is saying this right now? And I just love feeding my children and it's just such a good part of the day. And I was like, (laughs) barf. Because I don't love cooking dinner for my family. It's like the hardest part of the day for me. Um, I'm tired. I'm sick of cooking. I'm sick of cleaning. And I would really just love it if my family would be happy with bagels or cereal. But they're not. Especially the three oldest men in my house. My husband is thrilled when he comes home and he smells dinner cooking. It just puts a pep in his stub and he loves it. And I think he feels for a second it's like... I'm not meeting him at the door with the cocktail and slippers, but I made dinner and he's so excited. And then I have these two teenage sons who act like dinner is the best part of their entire life, every single day. They love dinner. And it's kind of annoying (laughs) because I would just like to say, boys, like just have a bagel and It's fine, but they want a meal. And um, that just means, like, I have to cook for these people. So what I try to do to get through is not pour a glass of wine and listen to a podcast. It's not romantic. I turn on some loud music and I do fake kickboxing as I showed you guys my awesome moves. And the music is loud and the blood is pumping. I love exercise. It makes me happy. And the kids come in and they used to laugh with me and it was really fun. Now they just laugh at me. But I actually don't mind because then I just become more hyper aggressive with my fake kickboxing, which like embarrasses them, and there's really nothing more fun than embarrassing your kids. So this is the way I bring light and laughter and joy into something that honestly isn't my favorite part of the day. So I tell this all to my podcast friends, and they laughed at me. Yes, Jen and Chris, I know you're in here somewhere. You laughed at me. And then to rub a little salt into my wound, Jennifer Naraki says, and really, really, Greta, that song, it's so, like, poppy and soulless. And um, I wasn't surprised that she said that, because Jen and I have wildly different tastes in music. In my playlist, you will find songs from the Muppets' soundtrack. No shame in my game. And in Jen's, you will find Rage Against the Machine. So, we are very different in our musical tastes. Until a few months later, Jen texts me something like this and she says, okay, fine, your song is good, I actually need to use it in my talk for Wimberley, Texas, can I use it? I'm sorry, you were right. And um, I, of course, is super great, I'm a super gracious friend, very forgiving. So I write back, of course you can use it, triple heart emoji, I love you. But I'm also a super annoying friend, and I love to harass and irritate people. And so I also wrote, told you so. And um, we laughed about it, and it it was great. She used the song in her talk in Wimberley, Texas. Some of you might even have been there and might remember it. It was a beautiful talk, and she talked about our fight as moms and home educators, and it was perfect. Well, as many of you know, just a few months after that talk in Wimberley, Jen was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, advanced ovarian cancer. And it was a few months after that initial diagnosis, I was driving down the road, listening to fight song, and suddenly the weight of the words hit me, and I, I just started crying, and I pulled over as quick as I could, and I called Jen, and I just said, Jen, this is your song, this is your fight song for cancer. And she thought for a second, and she goes, oh, I know, and I still don't like that song. <laughs> But you're right, and maybe she was just being nice to me, and she was letting it be our song for her cancer journey, but really, it was her song. She was fighting to the very end, and we laughed in that moment because it was so ironic that that song had so much meaning, and it was one that she didn't really love, and we cried because the weight of those words were heavy, and it was... it was. Um, the way that we walked through the whole time together. And there were tears, and there were laughter, and they mingled together. And that's why I wanted to share that song with you today, because I know all of you are going home to some kind of battle yourself. And it might not be cancer, but it might be. Your struggle might be an endless stream of poopy diapers and nursing pads on your nightstand instead of a candle and a beautiful red rose. Right? It's real. Um, You might be caring for aging parents. You might have a rebellious child. There might be infidelity happening, a divorce, financial difficulties. You might have a child with a learning disability. Some of you might have critically ill children or this year you walked through the death of a loved one. We all every single one of us in this room are facing hard things. And knowing that, we know we're not alone in our battle. And so I'm going to ask you to do something — I promise I'm not copying Leah, I already put this in my talk before her, okay? I'm not copying her. We're just great minds that think alike. I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to make every introvert in this room wildly uncomfortable and every extrovert super happy! I want you to squeeze the shoulder or the hand of someone near you, look at them and say, you are not alone. Okay, that was an invitation to chat, okay, we wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. So right now in this room, it is so easy for us to feel that we are not alone. I mean, this is a sacred place, doesn't it feel holy, because we're together? When we go home, I hate to break it to you, but some of that magic is going to fade, and it's going to not be the same. And I know that that's hard, but what I want you to do is to recognize and therefore be prepared for the crash, because the wild and free high that we're on, get your minds out of the gutter, you know what I mean, the wild and free high we're on doesn't last forever. We have to go back to real life, and I want to have you be ready for the battle. So, I'm gonna send you home with a mission. I want you to be ready to fight for joy. Are you with me? (laughs) Awesome. Okay, I know that the word joy gets tossed around so much that it can almost start to lose its power and its value, and it makes it seem unimportant. But what you need to know is joy is not trite, it is not trivial, it's not unimportant. Joy matters. Fighting for joy is not frivolous. It is not a waste of your time. Actively seeking things like joy and delight are essential to not just surviving your life, but to thriving. I mean, we have spent this whole weekend talking about how to present and to give to our children um, this childhood that is full of magic and learning and beauty and delight. But what about us? Once you become a grown woman and a wife and a mother, do you no longer need to seek beauty and delight and joy? Of course not. We need that too. Joy helps us thrive. Not just as mothers or wives or friends or daughters or sisters or women, but just as humans, we need it. Everyone has said, "Oh, joy fills you up for to be better at whatever fill in the blank." But I want you to really not just know that it's true, but I want you to live it. C.S. Lewis says that joy is the serious business of heaven. It's one of my favorite quotes. Just let that sink in. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy matters. And I know some of you though, you think, well, that's easy for you to say, Greta, you're a seven, you're always happy, blah, blah, blah. But joy really does matter. And, and I want to give you a couple examples to prove that I'm right. I love the, the verse from Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom, and it says, a joyful heart is good medicine. Did you know that things like laughter and a positive mindset have an impact on your health? And not just your mental health or your emotional health, but your physical health. So listen to this fun fact. Smiling for 60 seconds, even if you're in a bad mood, will actually improve your mood. Using these muscles triggers the happy chemicals in your brain. That's amazing that we can have a chemical reaction that's a good one, (laughs) and it makes a change in our whole body. Now, I wanna clarify something here. When we're talking about a happy smile or a smile, even when you're in a bad mood, isn't the kind of smile you've probably all given your children in the library, and it's something like this, if you don't stop being so loud, I'm taking you home right now, not that crazy smile, not, not the smiling with your teeth clenched a smile, but a genuine happy smile, because it will make a difference in your brain, which tells your whole body to just relax, and feel joyful. Another one is that laughing for 15 minutes has the same effect as getting two extra hours of sleep. So basically, you guys have been laughing all weekend, therefore you are going home very well rested. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So yes, a joyful heart is good medicine. But the part of this that is even more exciting to me is to think about the fact that my joy has an impact on my family and the health of my family. Their physical, mental, and emotional health is impacted by my joy. Moms, you have an incredible opportunity for influence in your family. And if you think for a minute, oh, my life is small, I'm not making a difference in the world, that's not true. It's a lie. You are making a difference. Congratulations. You're an influencer. (laughs) Bring on the swag. (laughs) Unfortunately, with this influencing career, there are no free vacations or cute clothes being shipped to your door that you can unbox with one hand, you know. You're actually going to have dishpan hands, saggy breath, circles under your eyes. But it doesn't matter because the impact that we're making is going to last a lifetime and for generations to come. So your joy, your fight for joy matters to your family. I want you to think of it this way. Do you want your children to have a mama who is stressed, or irritable, or bitter, or angry, or so consumed with checking the boxes on her to-do list that there is no smile on her face when she looks at her kids? Do you want to be a mama who has lost her joy in her home, her family, and her life, and that it shows in her body language or her tone of voice? or the shortness of her answers, or the way she freaks out over the smallest stress. I know we've all been there. I have. Every single one of us has been there. Instead, we want to be the kind of moms who give our kids a home that is warm and full of love and joy. When they see us, that they would feel a whole different set of emotions, like comfort and safety, warmth, interest, that we put down our phone and we look them in the eyes, that they would feel we are fun and full of joy and we want to be with them. We should feel like home to our kids. But I get it, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard in the everyday of being a mom, wifing, homeschooling, homekeeping, maybe running a business on the side, all the things that we do. And the fatigue alone can be enough to wipe the smile off your face. I remember when my daughter was a newborn. And she was my third. So I had a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn. And I wasn't sleeping hardly at all because, you know, none of the kids would nap at the same time. And I was being awoken through the night for nursing or the toddler that was like a Cirque de Soleil acrobat and could climb out of the crib no matter what we tried to keep him in there. And even if my husband would go in to the bedroom at night to take care of one of the kids, I still got up to nurse. So one night I hear Lily crying in the bassinet and I walk over to get her and I pick her up and I sort of stagger back to bed and I'm holding her and she isn't crying anymore because I picked her up and I sit down on the bed and something feels not right as I'm holding her but I can't quite figure it out because I'm like in a fog and then I feel her a little more and I was like oh my gosh the baby is upside down (sighs) and her head was down here and her booty was here But she's so sweet, she didn't even care. So I understand. There are obstacles in the way of your joy in motherhood. It's exhausting. There's no other exhaustion like motherhood, especially motherhood of a newborn, unless you have extra kids besides a newborn. And then it's a whole other level.
0: We'll be back with Greta in just a moment. At a time when things are so uncertain, we need community more than ever. I believe we need to hold tight to each other, not pull apart. As we're in a season of physical and social distancing, we turn to the next best thing, an online community to support and encourage one another. Whether you're already a homeschooler or a new one, we've put together a kit of resources for you and your family to make the most of this concentrated time together. We believe that childhood is a time to foster wonder, creativity, and discovery through play and exploration. Learning together is what we do, but that doesn't mean it's always easy. We lean on each other as a community to make it through our days, and we hope you'll lean on us as you enter this new frontier with your family. The amazing thing about kids is that they are learning all the time. As parents, all we have to do is provide an environment that encourages the curiosity within them. To this end, we've created a new downloadable resource called Homebound. We've handpicked some of the best content from our content bundles over the past six years. If you've been a subscriber for a while, you may recognize some of these pieces. However, we've put them all in one place for an easy to access collection. Our Homebound Activity Kit includes 34 articles to inspire wonder, foster creativity, and make the most of your home and nature. This is the perfect opportunity to make your home and the world your classroom. To learn more and download the kit, go to bewildandfree.org slash homebound. Now back to Greta Eskridge.
1: Um, If you follow me on social media, you know that for a number of years, I've been dealing with hormone issues. And I know um, we all have hormone issues and PMS, except for those few of you that we love to hate that are like, I don't even have PMS. I don't know what that's like. They're like... But this was beyond anything I have struggled with since the time I was a teenager. It was really intense, and at times it was even scary. Like twice a month, I would just turn into a different person. And it didn't matter how much I slept or exercised or ate right or changed my diet or used oils or did yoga or read my Bible or prayed or did many, many things that people suggested that would solve the problem. Nothing did, because every two weeks, I would just turn into a raving lunatic. I was irritable, emotional, depressed, discouraged, overwhelmed, anxious, negative, angry. And it would seem like the smallest, most insignificant thing could just send me spiraling out of control, and it felt like the end of the world. And I I hated it when it happened, and I hated how it made my family feel, but I couldn't I couldn't pull out of it when I would be in the middle. And my kids would would come and, and they would say, Mommy, do you need a hug? Or, Mommy, can I pray for you? And there is nothing more humbling than feeling like you've lost control of yourself and your child is trying to help you gain some control. And sometimes I could invite them in and and have them be with me in the moment, but sometimes I couldn't. I would just have to say, not right now, sweetheart. And um, I would think in the moments when I was healthy and I would think, OK, next time it happens, next time the, the storm comes, I'll be able to fight it. I, I can do it. I'm strong. I'm bigger than this. And then the storm would come and I'd be in the kitchen, mad cleaning. That's what we call it when it's really aggressive, putting away the pots and pans and slamming the doors, you know, that kind of, I'm just cleaning. And so I was in there cleaning one day, aggressively, and my husband came in, I'm sure with great trepidation. and. He He gently said, Babe, I think you need to get some help because even the dog is afraid of you. And I I mean, you can laugh because that is a funny thing to say. I can laugh about it now because it's crazy, but in the moment, I was crushed because I knew he was right. And um, I didn't want that for my kids. I didn't want that for my husband. I didn't want that for my dog. I love my dog. Um, I, I wanted have a home that was filled with peace and joy and laughter and love and not anxiety and fear brought on by mom and her emotions. I know what you're saying when you say it's hard to fight for joy. I understand. But we do have to keep fighting, don't we? Just like Jen, she fought hard and we have to fight hard too. You can do it, and you should do it, but I want to talk about how, because I recognize that at times it's really difficult, whether you're feeling empty because you're up all night with the kids or you're walking through something so much harder. There's a few things that I want you to understand about how to fight for joy, how you can do it before we get to some real practical steps that you can take. The first thing is I want you to understand that fighting for joy doesn't mean you never feel sadness or grief or pain or sorrow. It doesn't mean you hide from those feelings or pretend they aren't there. But I also want you to know that you can fight for joy in the midst of them. The day that Jen died, I went to my room and I shut the door and I just cried and wept and sobbed and cried. It was so hard. I knew it was coming for months, but that didn't make the pain any less. But I also got out my phone and I looked through every video and photo that I had taken of her over the years. I read old blog posts because when we first met, there was no Instagram, but we were both bloggers. That's actually how we met. We lived in the same town, but we met through blogging. And I read old blog posts from the beginning of our friendship. I read our texts and laughed at the snarky things we would say to each other and the way we teased each other. I sat with the pain of losing her and the joy of what we had together. And it was hard, and it was beautiful, and it still is. But that's okay, because that is what life is. There is a mingling, a joining of pain and laughter and sorrow and joy, and we can sit in both of them. And we have to Sometimes. The second thing I want you to remember is that fighting for joy is sometimes just really hard work. It's not always sunshine and rainbows and lollipops and unicorns, although I love you, Jen Pepito, for calling me a unicorn. You're the first person ever, and you're now my favorite. (laughs) So the reality, of course, is that fighting for joy is sometimes hard work because we can't just toss everything in our life that doesn't spark joy, right? They don't take our kids at goodwill when we're sick of them. Oh, you're not sparking joy right now. You're in the discard pile. It doesn't work like that. Um, We don't always have a joyful heart when we have to serve our family. I confess to you that I don't love cooking dinner every night. Um, But what I can remember in those moments when I don't feel joyful is that I can choose to remember that serving my family is a privilege and that the tasks that feel lowly and menial are actually essential to our health and our existence as a family unit. And that's a pretty powerful thought. Service is seldom glamorous. It's often dirty, tiring, sometimes unappreciated or unnoticed. And Yet, we can still fight for joy in those moments. And I want you to remember that. The next time you excitedly make a huge batch of green juice for your kids and you sit on the table, guys, I made green juice. And they're like, do we have to drink that? Uh." Um, Or maybe that's just my kids. Uh, I want you to remember that when you're teaching your child a math concept for the, you know, 60th time and you're so tired of teaching it and you're so frustrated that you would rather gnaw your arm off than teach it again. Oh wait, that's only me too? Come on! (laughs) Or if you're pulling another long day or your husband is to feed your family, your service is valuable whether it's noticed or not. And when you're blessing other people, that's beautiful. And you can find joy in those moments that just might be a little bit more of a fight to get there. Okay, third thing that I want you to remember about fighting for joy is that even though it is difficult sometimes the struggle can actually intensify the joy. And this one I can only think about hiking with my kids because I love to hike and I love hiking with my kids. But for many years, I spent a lot of time hiking with a child on my back and this stuffed-to-the-max backpack in the front and sweat is just everywhere. And I nursed on the trail, changed poopy diapers, I'd be leaning against a tree trying to nurse the baby with one hand and the kids like, can I have a snack? And I'd dig in the backpack for the snacks that were always at the bottom. and. Um, it really wasn't carefree or easy or convenient. We weren't like the sound of music, like hiking and, oh, it's so beautiful. Like, it wasn't even that fun sometimes. It wasn't. But there was still always joy to be found on the hike. And sometimes it was just getting out of the house when it felt like the walls were closing in on me. But sometimes it was finding wildflowers or, we, mommy, I saw a lizard or... A really big a deal. I saw a snake. Sometimes it was climbing a tree or splashing in a creek and letting them get filthy dirty and not even caring about it. That's joy. That's joy for my kids. Sometimes it was just the satisfaction that comes by being able to finish a long hike and you had enough M&Ms to make it to the top of the hill. Pro tip, M&Ms, lollipops, sticks of gum, In the world of hiking with children, you get a pass and you can give those things to your kids. It's perfectly fine. You got to get them to the top of the hill. So what I'm trying to say is that fighting for joy is worth it. It might be hard. It might not be your first response. It might not even feel worth it, but I promise it is. And I want to give you a few tips to take home, to put into practice, like practical real life applications for ways you can fight for joy once you get home. And the first one is going to be hard for some of us. I'm gonna ask you to be vulnerable. I'm gonna ask you to invite other people into your struggle. You can do that today before you go home. You can confess to someone that there's a battle that's waiting for you at home that you're worried about, or you feel not up to facing. You could give them your number and ask them to text you and check in on you. You could ask them to pray for you. Basically, what I'm asking you to do is to invite someone to be on your team. You don't have to wait to be picked to be on the team. You're the team captain. Ask somebody to be on your team. Invite them in to your struggle and let them be your teammate. Be vulnerable. It's scary. But honestly, it changes everything. And that is the first step that you can take as you fight for joy in your life. Second thing is to get help if you need it. Now, I want you to understand there's a real specific difference here between asking for help and getting help. Many of us have a, have a hard time asking for help at all. Like we don't even want to take the first step, which is to ask for help. But then if we've worked up the courage to ask for it, we might have a hard time actually then getting the help. Like that next step is just too hard. When my husband Aaron said to me, you need to get some help, I decided he was right. I knew he was right and I did it. And I remember It took a while uh, to find a doctor who would listen to me and wanted to get to the root of my problems. And when I finally found her and I was sitting in front of her and I was just crying, telling her everything I was dealing with, and she said, it's going to be okay. You don't have to feel like this anymore. And the relief just flooded my body and I just felt like, oh, someone is going to help me. But then, as soon as she began to describe my treatment plan, I started having all these second thoughts. I thought, oh, we don't have enough money for this. I don't have time for multiple doctor visits. I mean, I'm overreacting. This really isn't that big of a deal. And I just started to sabotage myself. I'm so grateful. I really think God stepped in in that moment and gave me courage to take this scary step and not just ask for help, but to get the help. I knew I needed it. I knew I needed to get help. And really, all it was was this special concoction of um, bio-identical hormones that would get my body balanced. And I'm going to pause for a second here, because I have an announcement. I'm not a medical doctor and you should consult your own physician before taking any medication prescribed by a random woman on a stage at a conference. <laughs> and also, for many of you who are going to now direct message me and say, oh, those are my symptoms exactly, what did you do? I used bio-identical hormones, you don't have to message me. But you can if you want to, because I just can't stop it. Um, (laughs) I just can't. Uh, But what I'm saying is, while that might not be your issue, it was mine, the issue is you need to get help. And for some of you, that might mean getting on medication. Or it might mean getting a housekeeper for once a month or sleeping in on a Saturday or getting a reading tutor for your child who is struggling. It might mean going to counseling or taking an art class or deciding to sew because you love sewing and you haven't done it for so long. You need to actually take the step to get help. And that is an incredibly impactful way for you to fight for your joy. All right, the last thing, you guys are going to laugh at me when I tell you this, but this is the last thing I want you to do. Usually I give like eight steps, but I knew I had to keep it simpler, so I'm only giving you three things, guys. This is the third one. I want you to make a joy list. (laughs) Um, I know that sounds like Pollyanna central, and you're like, that is the dorkiest thing I've ever heard in my life. But you guys, I'm a dork. Like You know that about me. It's okay. I like it. I'm happy with myself. And so, I have a joy list, and these are things that I know bring me joy, and I can put into play in those times when I feel weak and not up to the fight. They're nothing spectacular, and they're different for everyone. One of mine is, you saw last night, skipping. Skipping. I'm not kidding. You can't be a grumpy mom if you're skipping with your kids. I dare you Double dog dare you. Try it this week. Skip with your kids. I have been skipping with my dad since I was a little girl. He is 67 and we still skip together. And I cannot tell you, I'm going to cry, but I can't tell you how much joy it gives me to skip with my dad. So, skipping is on my joy list. Hiking, of course. Working out, it's hard, but it gives me so much joy. Here's another one, and it's the one I'm going to leave you with. Reframing. Again, you're gonna moan and say, oh, Greta, you're an Enneagram seven. Of course, you're gonna say reframing. I can't do that, I'm not a seven. We don't live and die by the Enneagram. You can do it, no matter what number you are, okay? Pull up your good girl panties and start reframing. Okay, I'm gonna give you an example. I drive a 2006 Toyota minivan. It is tore up from the floor up. It is a disaster. And I kind of started to feel, like, bad about it. And then one day I just decided, you know what? I am not going to feel bad about my car. Because, you know, a construction worker, his car is a total disaster because of his job. I drive a mom work truck. (laughs) My minivan is my mom work truck. And when I decided that, I was like, she has a new shine she has earned every scratch and dent and throw up stain on the carpet. I love her. And it seems simple, but it's really very powerful. And I want you to think, what can I reframe in my life? What can I change in my point of view to see something in a positive way? And when you're struggling with this, I want you to remember Louisa May Alcott's words. This is what she said. It's so beautiful. Some of you already know it. The power of finding beauty in the humblest things makes home happy and life lovely. I'm going to say it again. The power of finding beauty in the humblest things makes home happy and life lovely. There is power in reframing your point of view. So those are some of the things on my joy list. It's much longer, obviously, and I know it sounds dorky, but the reality is my joy list is really just understanding what feeds my soul. It's knowing the things that I can do to feel better and bring peace and joy into the hearts and my home. It is something that I can do, rely on when things feel hard. It's actually really a gift. I know that the world is broken and hurting and sometimes it just feels heavy, the weight. Um, And that is why it's so important to seek out beauty and joy and laughter, silly things, all the good things that fill up our light, our life, because they are the things that are the light. And we know that the light is stronger than the darkness. So I'm going to end with a commission to all of you as you head home. And I want to tell you that's just a few things. This is what I want for you. I want you to be a light. I want you to be a bringer of joy, a giver of love. I want you to be a smile maker. Seek beauty, spread happiness, do good. Mamas, I want you to be this for your babies. Wives, I want you to be this for your husbands. Daughters, be this for your parents. Friends, be that for one another. Strangers, be that for another stranger. Fight for joy so that you can spread joy to everyone you meet. I believe in you. I know you can do it. I love you all. Thank you for being here. Bless you and go enjoy.
0: Thank you, Greta. Friends, don't forget about our special offer when you subscribe to the Wild and Free content bundles. When you sign up this week, you'll get access to last month's bundle, Mighty, this month's bundle, Plant, and May's Curious bundle when it becomes available in just two weeks. We'll also put a welcome kit in the mail that includes your first monthly magazine and a Wild and Free decal. Plus, you'll have access to our complete library of conference recordings, including our events in California and Franklin, Tennessee, this fall. To become a member, go to bewildandfree.org slash bundles. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us again next week for the Wild and Free podcast podcast.